Welcome to another episode of No Thanks But Yes, chill conversations with splendid people. Non-monetized and unaffiliated, this Freedom From Addiction podcast celebrates the many faces, voices, and pathways of recovery from chaotic substance use. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing great. So today we are filming some... uh, photos for the fame game for drag race and i thought well i'm just in drag so that's what you got i'm not sure if you were expecting me to be in drag or not today (laughs) you know my expectations were in the wind oh okay and my serenity is high well that is that is amazing you're amazing (laughs) so you're you're doing some filming so you're that's why you're in drag today yes there's a there's a portion of the drag race uh the all-stars show that's called the fame games and it requires us to uh show the audience what we would have worn Mm -hmm. uh uh, and uh so that's what we're doing and so i just figured i would get some of that done today and it was perfect timing we're just wrapping up i've got some other of my local sisters here um doing some photos as well because it's an amazing photographer from connecticut that's in town oh brilliant brilliant i am familiar with the fame game and i'm hoping that you won't mind me rallying uh 20 million people in recovery to come and support you well that would be wonderful thank you <laughs> i mean we'll try um that's that's the skinny apparently there's over 20 million of us that identify as in recovery and their families their friends their allies and uh you know we're all waiting for something to get mobilized around so let's mobilize around you well you're so kind thank you and you know and supporting we've so much to talk about i'm so delighted (laughs) that i'm so delighted you're here mrs davis yes lovely mrs davis that's delightful my son my beloved son Nathaniel turned me on to Drag Race some years ago, my wife and I, and we've been big fans watching it with him. And um, every time, uh, uh, every time a sister comes out as in recovery, I slide into her DMs and I'm like, <laughs> I got this little podcast thing. And that's uh, right. Yeah. I take great delight in your being the first to respond. Well, I do as well. I find that it's important to, uh, to respond and to, you know, it's like when, when you're asked to share uh, within the, the rooms of AA, you, you don't say no. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, welcome to No Thanks But Yes, this Freedom From Addiction podcast featuring many diverse faces, voices, and pathways of freedom from alcohol and drug bondage. And on this show, we introduce ourselves. So who the heck are you? Well, my name is Mrs. Kasha Davis, and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, I am currently dressed as Mrs. Kasha Davis, the drag queen, and my pronouns are she, her. But by day, I'm Ed Popel, also an alcoholic, and my pronouns are he, him. Right on. Right on. Well, thank you for coming. I'm Donald McDonald, he, him, love, and uh, I'm a person thriving in sustained recovery as well. So uh, thank you for coming. So you say uh, you're in recovery. I am, yes. So, so what does that mean it, to you? Well, for me, it's, uh, 
I'm, I will be sober one day at a time uh, this summer uh, for eight years. And uh, my story started uh, obviously much, much earlier in life, but my sobriety journey started with RuPaul's Drag Race, truly. I got cast on season seven and upon coming home from filming, I noticed my drinking escalated and I made the decision to, uh, with my husband's support, to stop my day job that I had for 18 years. And when I did that, I had all this free time and I began to compare myself to the other performers and I could, began to look at other people's journeys uh, with the television show and I saw my booking wasn't as, as big or as great. And I really got into my head and my drinking escalated. And at that point, I uh, had my third DUI at noon and I was swerving from children. And it was time for me to, to take a look in the mirror. And when I did, I, I didn't like what I saw. I dropped to my knees and I asked whatever higher power there is there in the world. Uh, I said, help, I'll give up my life with my husband, my stepchildren my career or that beautiful sobriety. And uh, that's where the journey began. And for me, it was outpatient. And I attend multiple meetings a week of AA. Right on, right on. I, um, I too came to a jumping off point. It, it dealt with some, some self-awareness around some behaviors that I wasn't super proud of and a desire to... Uh, to find some freedom and, and I, I was willing to do just about anything and it took me a while actually to to recover out loud though and so you are that's that's honestly how we came together was your recovering out loud on drag race and i slid into your dms <laughs> <laughs> listen to us using the the young kids lingo sliding into dms yeah, I'm a few years older than you, actually. So yeah, I, I feel it. I feel it. So yeah. why, why do you recover out loud? Well, I recover out loud, similar to the reasons why I do drag and why I also talk about my relationship with my husband for 20 years. When I was a little boy, girl, gal, girl, boy, fella, back in Scranton, Pennsylvania in the 70s and 80s, Elton John, Barry Manilow, Liberace, they were all straight, right? So everybody, yes. you know, everybody in entertainment, they, if they were, if they were gay, they were considered light in the loafers and clown-like or a tragic story. There were no stories being told of a healthy, positive homosexual relationship or a healthy, positive homosexual in general. They were criminals or jokes. And then my experience on RuPaul's Drag Race happened and I had the life experience and the gift of sobriety. And I began to realize that in the LGBTQ plus community, many of us have a similar story where we have issues with our parents and we have the situation where we're essentially disowned and we find solace in a bar. We find solace and community in these bars and these different places. And of course, drinking and drugs begin and it's a way to anesthetize the emotions. And I thought it was important for me to break my anonymity and to talk about it. And it helps me to help others. 
it helps me to realize that that is real the real reason why I do drag and why I am Mrs. Kasha Davis. It's more about how I can share my experience, strength, and hope so that maybe somebody else watching might get inspired to make healthy changes in their life. Oh, that's beautiful. It's it's why I recover out loud. And honestly, a, a bit of what drives me to excel, to excel at what I do is, is to be um, you know, an example of thriving in recovery out loud. We've had another particularly splendid gay man on this show named Tom Hill. And um, he worked at the Office of National Drug Control Policy. He was a White House appointee, person in recovery, openly gay man. And uh, he partnered on a, uh, a piece a while back called Stigma Reduction Through Contact Strategy. And that is our coming out uh, uh, through whatever stigma stigmatizing attribute we may possess but also being, you know, thriving, exceptional, you just cannot help but, you know, fall in love with me and adore me and just fold in that stigmatizing attribute. And it just makes you rethink all of the stereotypes and the prejudices that you held before. So it's, um, it's strong work. And, and I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It's, it's, it's a very interesting experience I've been having just a couple days ago, the third episode of all stars aired and I was eliminated and um, I've been having the most beautiful surreal experience because on a reality television show sometimes when people get eliminated social media warrior keyboard warriors will say negative things and I have received the most beautiful amount of outpouring love from all over the world and specifically people saying thank you for living out loud with your sobriety and sharing your story and 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 I continue to share it on every interview I possibly can and it's often asked how do you perform in a nightclub or how do you perform at a cabaret and some 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 shows uh aren't for me but the bottom line is I have been in tears the last few days not realizing that since I started this journey of speaking so being so outspoken about my journey and, and my sobriety of how many people thought, wow, I can do it too. And there's no better gift. There's no prize for that. That's the prize. That's, that is the gift uh, and of, of helping others. And it could be just simply by sharing your story. Yeah. And I know that it, uh, it is, it is considered a, a concerning thing for, some people uh, with regard to a, the traditions with AA, but I look at it as my opportunity to help. And I look at it as uh, part of what I'm meant to do. Well, you know, you're, you're not a representative of, of that splendid organization that's <laughs> been around nearly nine decades. That's, uh, that's your affiliation, but right now you're you're engaging in advocacy as a person who was in bondage to alcohol to, to find um, relief and pleasure and connection and escape, and now you no longer are. And by God, why why would you want to keep that a secret? You know. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And and it's uh, especially in the day and age that we're in now where so much opportunity is presented 
to us with regard to social media and podcasting and uh, just the general ability to communicate through technology. We can be connected in such an easier fashion now. And by doing so, you just never know who might be scrolling and thinking about that next drink or that next high and they see something and they think, you know what, maybe not this time. Yeah. And you, you've you inspired somebody to make change and, and, and we're gifted with this ability to have this technology and why not, why not put it forward? And I think that if, if I keep looking at the fact that if I keep doing what works for me, you know, I, there are many different ways and many different paths to sobriety, but for me, that connection and staying connected with other people in recovery is really the, is really the gift. And this is just a, a way to stay connected to more people. Connection. That's where it's at. You know, you give us something else, sister. You have been in recovery for eight years. However, you're coming up on eight years. You just dealt with what I'm assuming is profound disappointment and emotional pain. And you handled it with such grace and with, with such emotional regulation. And that is what we have to look forward to. I know that my chaotic relationship with substances and my early recovery was characterized by being a bit of a dick and, and being <laughs> <laughs> yeah. emotionally dysregulated and impatient and all that. I told this story uh, across the pond about my wife and I got a chance to go to England and talk about my recovery. And I said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till tomorrow morning and iron my shirt. Let's just go to bed. And I got up the next morning and the iron didn't work. And instead of throwing the iron through the window, I was like, let's hang it in the shower. Let's go get some tea. It's, is all good. No big deals. And that, right. that is a gift of recovery as well. And you have portrayed that through, through your, um, your, your ethos of, of kindness and gratitude. You're a kind, you're a kind person. And well, thank you. I want to be a kind person. <laughs> my, my catchphrase, you know, you have a little catchphrase with uh, drag race and, and reality television show previously was there's always time for a cocktail. And in some ways that served me well in the day. And people would say, so if you get the chance to go back, are you going to change your catchphrase? There's always time for a mocktail. And I said, no, there's always time for kindness. And I think in the world that we live in right now with many different people swaying to extremes of uh, political views, I think that kindness leads to conversation. Kindness leads to community. Kindness leads to sharing of thoughts and ideas. And I think that there are, are many more positive outcomes that can come together with different points of view that we have if we approach it with kindness. And so that is my new catchphrase and I couldn't be happier with it. And uh, it really touches on a lot of different scenarios that we, we go through in, in our life journey. And, uh, and I'm, still, I'm still learning and I'm still open to obviously on a daily basis. I mean, listen, I'll never forget when people said to me, well, in five years, you're going to get your marbles back. And I thought, that is ridiculous. I have my marbles. I have been successful, this, that, and the other. And then five years hit, and I was like, I got my marbles back. And so, yeah. so much has becoming, it, 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 you know, we are beautiful, beautiful flowers that are blooming. 
and we have our seasons and we get the opportunity to share and listen to each other's stories, which has just been an amazing experience. And, and I, at some point on this conversation, I'd love to share with you the most profound experience I had in uh, this recovery journey, but I'm not sure what other questions you have first. I'll, I'll not let you forget. <laughs> for sure. So I think that was a stroke of brilliance. There's always time for kindness. Uh, that was your last words as you as you left the show on the on the, your last episode. I felt it. I felt it deeply. And I also see that that if if we're slightly more daring, we we can buy a T-shirt that says that um, from you. Uh, how, yes. do, how do we get That's it? Well, that is, that is, we're just, we had to restock. We sold out within uh, two days. And, uh, and, and so we're going to, we're going to restock and they'll be available within the week uh, again. And you can, you can follow my Instagram, Mrs. Kasha Davis. And there's a little link tree there to our big cartel store. And it has the, the, the products, but uh, it really makes me proud because we sold out of those shirts much faster than we sold out of. There's always time for a cocktail. And that really warms my heart. That warms my heart as well. And in my humble opinion, you touch on some of the deep divide that is deeply rooted in hate and fear in, in our country, particularly as, as it relates to LGBTQIA plus folk. And, and I'm wondering if, if kindness somehow is a remedy, harnessed anger, clear direction, but a dose of kindness as well. Um, Absolutely. I, I am baffled, first and foremost, by the focus that uh, we, we put on, on some of the fringe extreme views. And albeit, we now have some legislation that's also happening that is, is more dangerous because ultimately we're targeting drag queens and their performers performances in, in front of children. But really what we're doing uh, in some of these scenarios is that we're targeting our trans brothers and sisters. And the fact of the matter is we are brothers and sisters. I am a drag queen. I identify as he, him. I live as Ed. I live as Ed and I perform as this character. I perform as the character of Mrs. Kasha Davis to celebrate my mother, my grandmother, these strong women in my life that made such a positive impact in my life. And so I celebrate women and I celebrate my femininity that was suppressed as a child, that I was bullied for as a child. And, and I celebrate all of it. And so when I think about the legislation and I think about the, the extreme points of view of trying to understand other people's life path. I say to myself, and I have learned that I don't need to understand someone else's experience, but it would be a wonderful thing if I could just respect it. And by respecting somebody else's life experience and their choice as a human being, sometimes it's best to just change the channel, turn your back and, and be in respect there's the kindness motto if we lead with kindness we'll never have a bad situation there are people who are so frustrated and so angry and saying that drag queens are 
using we're using this terrible word grooming and and working to influence people and and their choices and how they are going to uh develop as a as a human being when i was a child everybody tried to make me straight and i married the first woman who would say yes and we ended up getting a divorce because clearly i was gay and so it doesn't work you know even if you uh have a conservative view that drag is encouraging people to be gay or trans it's not possible it's not possible but you might encourage people to be creative might encourage people to express themselves but most importantly if an audience member watches a drag show and has a good time and says wow these are these are fun creative people the next time they see someone different they might treat them with kindness that's the message that's the solution is that we can treat others with kindness and most importantly with respect fucking brilliant i tell you it's um years years ago i i i made the statement to my family i said i i think this is one of the most positively impactful shows on television right now. And I'm a social worker. I'm a, I'm a survivor of trauma and mental and substance use disorders. And I've been working with people who have experienced the same for years. And uh, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. You do. It's good medicine. RuPaul's Drag Race is good medicine. Drag is good medicine. You're good medicine. Brilliant. Thank well, you. you are as well. This, this, this is, <laughs> these are the conversations that I'm, I'm glad that people are, are tuning in and listening to. Because as we know, the people that are angry and spouting such negativity, which by the way, is not exactly what I think I want kids to hear, <laughs> but that negativity and that hate towards others, we know that anger is, is the easy, quick cover up for fear. And there, there's a fear because maybe we feel as though people are trying to change us, but honestly, we just people are just looking to be respected on this on this earth that we share. We're all far more similar than we are different. Ooh, that's a fact. Hey, listen, we're talking about some heavy stuff. I want to now. I want to talk about and not forgetting the the um, the anecdote, the vignette you want to share that's impactful. I won't let you forget that. <laughs> but I want you to tell me what you do for fun, what you do for self-care. Sometimes when we're creative souls, uh, it's, it's, it's like, where is the compartment between work and play between, you know, uh, creative creation and, you know, decompressing and connecting with, you know, the woodland elves and stuff. So, <laughs> That's you hit it right on the, the nail on the head. I love to get out for a hike. My husband found this app during uh, COVID that uh, all trails, and no matter where you go, you can find a trail, and it could you're not going to get lost. Is the point? It's going to be basically give you the directions to get in and out of the trail, and it gives different difficulties. And boy, just to get out in nature is one of the greatest gifts. I remember as a child, my mother used to say, "If you want to go talk to God, go watch the leaves. He's waving at you." And I used to think to myself, my goodness, what is she talking about? But I remember I was spiritual as a child. I would remember sitting there watching the leaves, just lying in the grass and feeling the grass and being in the present moment. And 
then when life happened, you kind of lose the present moment because you anesthetize or you get so busy, you got to get good at work or be the best of whatever. And uh, now I look for ways to meditate or be out in, in, in nature. I love to exercise. My father used to say, it's the best thing for you. And I used to be whatever, but it really to get out and move. And then frankly, the last thing I like to do is spend time with my soul pup, Max, who is a husky and my darling husband of 20 years in our matching recliners, just sitting quiet, being present with one another. And if we can add in our, our, my stepdaughters and our new son-in-law, that would be great too, but it depends. They've got busy schedules. <laughs> well, I tell you, we, we lead strikingly similar, um, what I do for me existences, um, uh, spend much time in the woods, uh, the the creator is present and accounted for in those spaces that's where i connect and uh love love my animals love my wife and my children and just chilling and spending time how i balance absolutely thank you for sharing that and uh, that app i have to check that out for sure okay so we talked about what you do for fun and balance we know what you do you're crushing uh drag and um and incorporating your recovery message within that high profile opportunity to some more people will come and get them some you uh one of the things that in traditional communities of recovery is like do i want what he has do i want what she has and um so not only recovering out loud but um you know is it something i want to give up drugs for (laughs) (laughs) right and i I would give up drugs for your life. (laughs) (laughs) You're peaceful. I like it. Um, All right. Well, you know what? Why don't you, uh, why don't you lay that, uh, lay that story on us that you wanted to tell? Well, I have two, two stories. One one is quicker than the other, but the first story is the quick one. People ask, how are you going to be able to perform in the nightclubs or the cabaret spaces and be sober. And I said, I can do it. And I worked on it with my counselor. The long story short is I went to Puerto Vallarta with a performance friend of mine and we were there together, beautiful. And it was early in my recovery. And I thought, this is a vacation destination and people are really having a good time and I'm not seeing any sober people. And I started to get a little panicky and I didn't want to have a drink, but I wanted to go to a meeting. And so I was confused as to looking at my app as to where to go. And I went into um, the box office of the theater and I said, can you please help me find this address? I'm looking for it. And he said, yeah, it's in the basement right underneath the theater. And there I was every night standing on stage after a meeting or two during the day and meeting such great people because it's a vacation destination. So people are traveling from all over the world and getting to meet people. And then we ended up having a, uh, a sober gathering, looking overlooking the, the beautiful water views at one, one of the evenings and just found this amazing group of people. And uh, my higher power said, yeah, I'm, I've got you. It's gonna be right. It's gonna be the foundation of the building you're gonna be in for the next two weeks. Oh, so that was, that was just- <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I'm stomping all over you, but I'm, re- <laughs> I'm reacting uh, that I, I felt that, I felt that. And the, the last thing that I will share is the biggest miracle that happened in my life. I am very fortunate to have a supportive partner, husband, wonderful stepdaughters, a new son-in-law. 
But I did not, ever since I was a child, think I would ever, ever recover from the emotional and the the physical abuse that came from my dad. And we just always, it just, were head to head. And so much of it came down to the fact that I just never felt like I could ever share his name and that my 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 femininity just sh- would show too much and he would just verbally try to put me in my place and for lack of a better uh, phrase beat the try to beat the girl out of me fast forward uh, to my mom who passed from this disease we walk into the funeral together and I felt like I felt some closeness there because you know, I was, I adored her and as, as did he. And uh, I was still not sober. And I began my sober journey and I worked with a sponsor and we looked at my resentments and he asked me if I would ever forgive him. And I couldn't imagine this. And I began to listen to other stories of how people forgave people uh, that really hurt them and, and began to look at their side of the street. The long story short, in, the, in my recovery journey, I, I began to look at that and say, have some conversations with him. And lo and behold, I didn't think he knew anything about my drag performance life. And I got booked in Scranton, Pennsylvania at the Toyota dealership. Uh, and it was a but just you know, that's how kind of a big of a star I, I am. And there I was telling my life story and talking about my mother. And uh, I was going to be doing this story because it was tying in with this, the, the musical Kinky Boots. Well, lo and behold, I said I had this pull to go visit my mother's grave. And at the grave, I had this pull where she says, get to you, see your father, go see your father. And I was like, oh, so I go guilt, Italian, Ukrainian guilt. And I get there and he said, oh, I see you've got a show yes uh six o'clock i said well yes but dad you don't need to come to this it's it's i'm gonna be in drag i saw the newspaper i'll be there at six literally shit my pants so i get to the toyota dealership and i'm getting dressed in uh my dressing room which is otherwise known as the sales department and my dad walks in and looks at me stops and says eddie you're beautiful Words I never thought I'd ever hear, most especially dressed in drag. I did my show. There's these photos of him just enjoying the show and shaking my hand. And afterwards, he's like, you know, that you did such a great job. There were just, there was, so, he was so proud. There's, there's, there had to be a uh, hundred people there. No, dad, it was probably about 40. Oh, well, they should give you a free Toyota. All this. Lo and behold, he gets ill. And a few months later, he passes away. Wow. I look at his bedside table and I open the box and there's an email from his friend. Did you see Eddie at the Toyota dealership? And he says, yes, that's my son, Eddie in drag. And I am so proud. And I know that there is no way I would have ever had that experience with my father without sobriety. I would have stayed in resentment. I would have drank over that relationship. I would have pointed the finger and probably never gone to his funeral. No. Or if I did, I wouldn't have been present for his, his, his last days. But I was there 
for all of it. And we were able to say, I love you to each other. And there were apologies made. And I give all of that credit to the stories that I heard in my recovery process and to the connection that I remade with my higher power. And I'm so grateful because it's something I didn't expect, right? It's a promise that I didn't look for. I, I had myself resolved that that wasn't going to happen. But I had that because of sobriety. And I know that if I had that, the best is yet to come. <laughs> the best is yet to come. Thank you for sharing that with me. I've felt that very, very deeply. Um, wow. And the peace that comes from resolving uh, the, the, the years of, of trauma response and resentment. And how about them apples? Right. Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm proud of you too. That was brilliant. Well, thank you. It's, I can't make it up. This is the, this is the, <laughs> these are the stories. These are the stories that, that I get to share and I get to tell because of not just putting the drink down, but asking for help. Uh, many of us who uh, have substance use disorder, you know, have trauma that reaches way, way back and pulls our strings and squeezes our heart. And one of the gifts of recovery is, is to find some healing and some peace in that uh, we all deserve that. I honestly believe that's why I drank and drugged the way I did is uh, to find relief, to find escape and uh, now to be present and accounted for and, and looking for the, the mat, looking for the leaves to wave at me in such instances as that. That's thank you. Well, thank you. <clears throat> well, listen, we, uh, we covered a lot of territory we always drop the mic at the end. Um, <laughs> I know, no pressure. But do you have a final succinct message for our millions of listeners? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, I think that there's probably somebody listening, maybe wondering if it's possible. And I think the two of us have shared openly and honestly. And I think that it's important for that person to know that you're not alone. We've got a seat for you. We have a place for you. And you realistically, you don't have to do it anyone else's way. There are many paths to recovery. And what I shared today worked for me. And you could take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And what will happen is you will fill your toolbox with new ways to live and you'll be able to take for me the alcohol the xanax out and you'll trudge through problems that you never thought you could trudge through again because of making that connection so it's possible and if we can do it you can too that's wonderful that is wonderful come get you some little bit of this <laughs> little bit of that <clears throat> sew it all together Unless, of course, if you're not Amish and you have good credit. <laughs> I know. Oh, and I laughed so fucking hard when you said that. It was brilliant. You know, it's, I, from the moment I started working as a drag queen and uh, I was doing it part time and, you know, I, I went and I was involved with theater. I, I didn't have to make the costumes in the theater. I didn't have to do that. I didn't have to make the set. Well, drag queens have to do it all. 
And I don't know who made that rule up, but what I make clearly is not something people need to see on stage or if they do, it's something comedic, right? And so uh, I just don't understand, <laughs> understand it. And uh, it's for God's sakes, so many drag queens lip sync songs. They don't make their own music. I mean, some do, uh, but for the most part. So I'm thinking to myself, why, why on earth? So yes, maybe if I come back in another life as Amish, I can do it. But not this, not this time. <laughs> Suffer some hot glue gun burns. And... Right. <laughs> and I don't think the Amish are going to be upset because they're never going to see any of this because they're not supposed to be watching television or uh, seeing social media stuff. So I, hopefully they won't be insulted. <clears throat> Well, I don't think it's a microaggression to compliment them on their sewing skills. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. It's been a little bit of heaven. And uh, thank you so much for saying yes. And uh, I hope to uh, see you sometime in space, in, in real space. Absolutely. Thank you very much for, for asking. I'm really, really happy to do this. <laughs> <laughs>